Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Bhagavad Gita as it is, chapter 9, text 13, translation and commentary by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Those who know the verse can chant after me. It's a well-known verse from Bhagavad Gita. Mahatmanas tu mang partha Daiving prakritim ashritaha Bhajantyananya manaso Yatva bhuta dimavyayam Mahatma, this word is being described. The word Mahatma is known in the Western world. It's one of those Sanskrit words which has become well known in the Western world. Uh, the word Mahatma in particular has become well known in the Western world, I suppose largely due to Mahatma Gandhi, as he is known. However, as Srila Prabhupada explains in the first line of the next purport, the Mahatma cannot be manufactured by rubber stamping an ordinary man. Rubber stamping. Mahatma. He has become a Mahatma by a rubber stamp or vox populi. However, um, like all of the all of the words, all of these words which are misused, all, all these words, common words that are misused, the term Mahatma has a specific definition. What other words, are, Sanskrit words, have entered the Western lexicography? Various Western lexicographies, I should say. Dharma. Chakra also? Yoga. Karma. Guru, yeah. Bhakta? Well, that's among the devotees. Buddha. Buddha. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a personal name. Meditation, that sounds more like Latin derived. Oh. Mahatma, yeah, that's the word. Karma, yeah. Alright, there's a good potpuri to get started with. Now, all these words are misunderstood. From their, They're not understood according to their original definitions. So it's very important to understand the definitions of these words. Of course there are various theories that you can define words in any way you like. But that undermines the purpose and use of language. For instance, if I say that man, in, when I say man I mean woman or vice versa, things get confusing. For instance, if a, if a man is found in the woman's toilet, he may say, well, according to my understanding, woman means man, and man means woman, but it makes a socially inappropriate situation. But there are theories like this, that you can just... Whatever you, whatever you understand something to mean, that understanding is a fact for the individual, which is totally absurd, but goes on in the name of philosophy. Most of what goes on in the name of philosophy is absurd. Because then there are no uh, there are no defined frames of reference or ways of thinking. It's, it just becomes a a mental cacophony. 
So this, uh, the Vedic literatures, they are meant for giving knowledge. Veda means knowledge. Knowledge and opinion are two distinct terms. Specifically, the Vedic literature is meant for giving knowledge of reality. What is reality? In the Here in the Vedic literature, especially in Bhagavad Gita, the appearance of reality is separated from the actual reality. Those who are chasing after the appearance of reality, they can never find the actual reality. That is described by Lord Krishna, the ultimate authority in Vedic knowledge. In the verse previous to the one which, which we have just read, Mokhasha Mokha Karmano Mokha Jnana Vichetasaha Rakshasim Asuring Chaiva Mohini Prakritim Mohining Shrita. Yeah, you can read the translation. So the verse which we are reading today that describes the Mahatma and specifically as one who is not bewildered. He doesn't live on the platform of well maybe it's like that or maybe it's like this. But he is under the shelter of the divine energy. He is enlightened. Enlightenment, that's, also, that's a popular word nowadays. Generally understood to mean someone whose consciousness floats in some nebulous, undefined, vaporous kind of situation. But here it's described as under the shelter of the divine energy. That divine energy has been described by Krishna as his divine energy. And the Mahatma is further defined as one who, Ananya Manasaha, with undeviated consciousness, worships Krishna, knowing Krishna to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, Srila Prabhupada in the purport, the purport means the further explanation, says that the first sign of the Mahatma is that he is already situated in the divine nature. That's the second sentence of this purport. And Srila Prabhupada uh, dedicates or the rest of the purport to explaining what, is the, what are the symptoms, what is the meaning of a Mahatma being situated in the divine nature, which is, uh, which is also, uh, he is elucidating the various points made by Lord Krishna in the verse itself. So there is a... There is a contrast made here between bewildered persons and Mahatmas. Mahatma means a great soul. That's the literal translation. So Mahatma Gandhi was, uh, he was considered a great soul for his political efforts. But according to Bhagavad Gita, that is not the actual sign of a Mahatma. The actual sign of a Mahatma is that he is uh, concerned with the spiritual world. As Srila Prabhupada writes here in the uh, third sentence of this purport, he, the Mahatma, is not under the control of material nature. He's not concerned with ephemeral matters such as the uh, political independence of a particular tract of land. But people who are under the control of material nature, they have no perception of the spiritual nature. And therefore they consider a great soul someone who is engaged in great activities on the material platform. But however, however great one's activities may be on the material platform, they are by definition not great because the material platform itself is not great. It's very difficult to understand a Mahatma 
because his greatness is not appreciated by persons who they have no appreciation of that they, 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 are, uh, they have different values present in the world at the same time as Mahatma Gandhi was Srila Bhakti Siddhanta so just as Mahatma Gandhi was busy with various uh, activities organizing political organizations so Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur was busy with a spiritual organization. And uh, people gave much more credence to Mahatma Gandhi than they did to Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. We find also that our own spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, disciple of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he's not appreciated properly. Certain... Jai Shri Kanchitapa. Certain... Popular spiritual leaders, head of various Christian denominations or Buddhist organizations, they are highly rated as religious leaders by persons who like such religious leaders. They, they, fit, the, they fit the stereotype of a religious leader. They, uh, they're religious. That means they... They're doing their thing, they're a monk or a priest and uh, they offer us some kind of religious path which we can follow or not follow yeah. and it makes us feel good if we follow it. However, Srila Prabhupada wasn't like that. He didn't fit the stereotype of a religious leader. Once um, a TV journalist approached Srila Prabhupada and <coughs> asked him that... Uh, what was the, the question exactly? I can't remember. Is, there, is, uh, is your what is the what is the nature of your form of Buddhism? Something like that. Yeah, some kind of strange question. And they're all quite strange questions. Srila Prabhupada replied that we have nothing to do with this Hinduism or Buddhism. We are preaching the truth, and if you want, you can take it. He spoke personally to the journalist. So, uh, to external vision, a Mahatma may appear to be an ordinary person. He uh, eats, sleeps, walks, talks, travels here and there, apparently uh, just like any other person. Pure devotees of Krishna may appear to get sick, they may become angry, and therefore persons of what they consider themselves to be highly developed intelligence can understand that, well, you know, they're just like us, just a little bit different, that's all. However, the symptom of a Mahatma, as described by Lord Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, is that he does not divert his attention to anything outside Krishna. This is the first clause of the second paragraph. The Mahatma does not divert his attention to anything outside Krishna. And as a result of this, he, the Mahatma is protected by the divine energy of Krishna. He's in the shelter of the divine energy of Krishna. And although, therefore, although apparently one of us, he is, uh, he is in different category to that of conditioned souls. The material energy is the deluding potency by which uh, everything that every conditioned soul perceives, he perceives wrongly. Everything a conditioned soul perceives, he perceives as paraphernalia for his personal enjoyment. Which is impossible, because the jiva cannot enjoy separately from Krishna. 
Therefore, the conditioned soul spends his whole existence like a dog chasing his tail. He cannot catch it. The endeavor is futile. Therefore, Moghasha, Mogha Karamano, Mogha Jnana Vichetasa, Rakshasing, Asuring Chaiva, Prakriting Mohining Shritaha. Same. Conclude. This is the condition of the non devotees. That, yeah, the previous verse, you can read it again. But because the pure devotees of Krishna are fully connected with Krishna and under, his, under the protection of his divine nature, they see everything clearly. We see trees, buildings, cars, roads. We see it, we see all these things uh, as paraphernalia for my sense enjoyment. But a pure devotee sees everything in connection with Krishna. Unfailingly, his vision is not, he's not deluded. Therefore, his perception of everything is in a different category to that of conditioned souls. Bhampramad vipralipsa karanapatav arsha vigya vakya nahidoshishab. The conditioned souls have four basic defects. They are illusion, they make mistakes, they have the cheating propensity and the imperfect senses. But these faults are not present in the words of self-realized persons because their words are directed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead's internal energy. That internal energy is known as Antaranga Shakti or Bhakti Shakti, the energy by which devotion to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is affected. So we see in the lives and the words of pure devotees this bhakti shakti, this powerful current of pure devotion. There is nothing uh, shallow therein. We find in every, in every action of Srila Prabhupada, everything he did, he was fully imbued with the spirit of pure devotional service to Krishna. That every, uh, everything he spoke was imbued with the uh, energy or, or the potency of pure devotion to Krishna. The words of pure devotees are imbued with potency. And thus, by speaking and by acting, the pure devotees are able to pick up conditioned souls and place them also in the bhakti shakti. This is the sure characteristic or feature of one who is actually situated in the devotional energy. The uh, ability to bring others also into that devotional energy, into devotional service. No one can bring others to devotional service by tricks or gimmickry. Tricks, gimmickry, okay, just say tricks. It's, it's more or less the same thing. Uh, devotional service is the, pure devotional service to Krishna is the a natural propensity of the soul. It is not simply another transformation of the material energy. Any endeavors within the material energy cannot bring us to the spiritual energy. Only when we come in contact with the spiritual energy can, can the uh, spiritual spark within us be enlivened. Therefore, bhaktis tu bhagavat bhakta sangena parijayate by, only by association with pure devotees can bhakti be transmitted. We practically see that, how Srila Prabhupada, by his association, people were lifted from the material consciousness to the spiritual consciousness of dedicating everything to Krishna. 
we see throughout Srila Prabhupada's books, although there are uh, many subjects covered, but the current of pure devotional service to Krishna is prominent throughout. Any pure devotee, we see that. There are, there are not so many in the world because they are rare. They're not, they're not common. You don't find Mahatmas loitering on every street corner. But fortunately, the Mahatmas, they rem- even after they leave this world, they remain in this world by their instructions and their writings. So we find in the writings, for instance, of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsar Thakur, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, all the great pure devotees, this very powerful current of pure devotion to Krishna, this spirit of pure devotion to Krishna, that, uh, that I have nothing in this world, I am only surrendered to you, Krishna. Sarvasvatoma Charane Sopia, for instance, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, that uh, I have dedicated everything at your lotus feet. I offer everything at your lotus feet. Whatever I consider mine, my mind, my body, my house, I offer in your service, O Krishna. I've surrendered that. So profuse writing, song after song, book after book, with this current of complete dedication to Krishna. So this consciousness of pure devotion to Krishna without any compromise, without any uh, reservation. This is the characteristic of a pure devotee of Krishna. Those who have the spirit of halfway surrender to Krishna or caught away to surrender to Krishna, they cannot imbue the spirit of p- full surrender to Krishna. Actually, there's no meaning to surrender except full surrender. Surrender means full surrender. And when one fully surrenders to Krishna, then he becomes fully under the protection of the divine nature of Krishna. So those, those who, by the mercy of pure devotees, become inspired by the spirit of pure devotion to Krishna, have to recognize the channel within which that pure devotion is moving. The words and actions of pure devotees are the uh, guide for those who would want to be pure devotees. Due to the cheating propensity, sometimes persons take to devotional service and they want to redefine it according to their own understanding. And thus we have redefined words. Words like guru, dharma, mahatma, they're redefined. The English or Slovene dictionary word for guru, dharma, mahatma, etc., does not correspond to the dictionary of pure devotees. So this is a, a cheating activity to say, yes, I have a guru, I'm a disciple, but we've, we've redefined the words guru and disciple. So the f- guru plus, yeah, we've redefined the words. So the actual result of guru and disciple coming together, it won't be affected. If actual guru and actual disciple come together, then the result must be pure Krishna consciousness. Srila Prabhupada gave the example, if a man and a woman come together, then the natural result is a baby. 
That is the natural result of marriage. But just like in the secular field, they have redefined marriage. So instead of man plus woman, it's man plus man equals marriage or woman plus woman equals marriage. And the result will not be a baby. You can call it a marriage because it has some of the uh, external appearances of a marriage, but the result will, the natural result of marriage, namely baby, will not take place. So we can redefine Mahatma or Guru as someone who panders to our sense gratification uh, in the name of spiritual life. And we can redefine disciple as someone who, for his sense gratification, um, makes a show of being spiritual. And in the dictionary of deluded persons, the, they have the, this is where they define Mahatma, Guru, disciple, yoga, dharma, etc., and the result will be the same as every other word in the dictionary, which is illusion, repeated birth and death. And they will say, well, this is reality. Because they don't know anything else and they don't want to know anything else. But Krishna, here in Bhagavad Gita, speaks from the platform of actual reality. And those who want to come to that platform will have to take Krishna's words very seriously. This is how Arjuna accepted Krishna's words. That I accept everything you say, Krishna, as truth. So we will have to accept the words of Krishna's representative in the same way. The words of Krishna's representatives are as good as the words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Because the words of the representatives of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are not... Uh, dictated by the material energy. That which is spoken by deluded persons is uh, it's spoken from the platform of how can I obtain sense gratification. Everything is madness. Even if, even if, they, even if a deluded person, that means someone who has no intention to surrender to Krishna, even if they want to do something good, they don't know what is good. They cannot do anything good. That is why someone, someone becomes praised as a Mahatma for, for some useless political activity that just increased the illusion of the persons he was trying to help. Even though reading Bhagavad Gita every night, the uh, Mahatma, or the person known as Mahatma, who I mentioned, was very much concerned with the condition of the Indian people. He was very much concerned with the condition of the Indian people. And thus he increased the consciousness of the spirit souls, the Atmas born within India, of that I uh, am a product of this country. Dehatma Buddhi. And uh, actually talking about definitions of words, the, the Mahatma or the so-called Mahatma under discussion deliberately misinterpreted the word Harijan, which means... Uh, devotee of Krishna to mean the, the people in the lowest section of society. So we should very clearly understand all these points. What is the position of a fully realized devotee of Krishna? What is our position in relation with them? Our position is to follow. The other alternative is to follow our own mental concoctions. This is called Manoratam, the chariot of the mind which the mind is pulled by the senses. And <clears throat> therefore, although we may think that we are very intellectual and we have many good ideas, 
But our ideas, we should know that they, they cannot be as good as the ideas of the self-realized soul. It's also a very great offense to think that, well, you know, this, uh, you know, this, uh, this guru, well, you know, it's quite good, but, uh, you know, he had some opinion. I also have an opinion, and it's all the same. And so, Rather, the, the path of purification begins with by worshipping the words of the great souls. Guru Mukha Padma Vakya Chitete Koriya Aika Ana Karihamane Asha. You can translate that. All right, I'm supposed to speak up till five o'clock, so it's almost five o'clock, and if there are any questions, I'll take them now. Wow, that was. Now, if I, now we need the uh, photo to see who got up first. Olympic photos. Photo finish. Okay, what's your question, please? Sometimes we see a person that he's practicing according to Shastra and previous Acharyas, and we see statements how that person is so pure, so enlightened, and so beautiful, and shining, and this and that. And we are impressed, and then after some time, you know, this soul doesn't seem to do that anymore. Mm. So that pure soul gives up, gives up the process. Mm. And then, what we get the builder? Because we thought, everybody thought he's so pure. Mm-hmm. But then he leaves, he goes away, doesn't mm-hmm. want to practice anymore. So, what is the real? Because at a certain time he was surrendered, at least he tried to be, to Prabhupada and like this. And what is the real symptom of a person? What is the real symptom of surrender? Then that means all life, not just 20 years or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, translate the question. Translate. Well, you gave the answer in the question. That matches with a statement in one of the purports in Bhagavatam, a quote from Sri Madhvacharya, in which he says that the uh, symptom of a pure devotee is his sustained endeavors in devotional service. Now, anyone who takes seriously to Krishna consciousness is a great soul, but they may not be, uh, they've taken shelter, or they're attempting to take shelter of the divine energy. But unless one is uh, fully situated within that divine energy, then there's always the possibility of fall down from it. So, it, it requires to be fully, full application, non-stop, day after day, year after year. No extracurricular activities. 24 hours a day, every day, one should be fully engaged in Krishna conscious activities. And the... Uh, the contamination may be subtle also. That one is following all everything, but they're cultivating other desires. So yeah, we are at a we are at a phase within the Krishna conscious movement where this kind of question is asked often, and not surprisingly, considering the uh, present or ongoing history, I guess you can call it. So it is a call for devotees to. Uh, very carefully understand what Srila Prabhupada has given us by studying his books very carefully, not superficially. Is that all right? As a, I mean, you know, we can discuss these things all day and night and go on and on and on, but that in... in uh, how to recognize... You can pray to Krishna. You can pray to Krishna and Srila Prabhupada. We have general guidelines given in Shastra, but 
The Shastra gives general guidelines. The Shastra, I mean, unless you go to the Brigu Hora or something like this, then you can't you can't tell what's going to happen. The Shastra doesn't say such and such, it doesn't give such and such person will come and take up devotional service and then bloop. Shastra doesn't say that. It gives general guidelines. So you can pray to Krishna and Srila Prabhupada to guide you to that guidance by which you can be situated in the internal energy of Krishna. If you want it, we get what we want. Krishna knows what we want. We get what we want. We get what we want and we get what we deserve. These are two factors. Yeah, please. When a illusioned person represents himself as a pure representative of Krishna and demands worship and glorification, what is the best way to deal with that person in Krishna consciousness? Well, I don't have experience with, uh, with persons demanding worship. I, I, I didn't come across anyone who grabbed me by the throat and said, now you have to worship me. Maybe if you rephrase that to accept worship, that might be more realistic. But I, I mean, I don't see anyone demanding. I don't know if it's such a relevant question. Not physical worship, but more like following, accepting his authority, accepting his ideas as absolute. Uh, submission, subordination. Absolute submission and subordination by a person who's not perfect. Well, interestingly enough, even Srila Prabhupada, who we all accepted axiomatically as perfect, never claimed himself to be perfect. He simply he said that I'm simply following my spiritual master. So that is the test that the, that no one should claim to be independently perfect, but he. He may say that you can follow me because I'm I'm following my guru who is perfect and he's perfect because he follows his guru is perfect and ultimately that comes to Krishna. So of course the actions should match the... Well first of all the words of one who claims to represent Srila Prabhupada and the Acharyas should match those of Srila Prabhupada and the Acharyas. And the actions should also. Now exactly to behave in the same way as Srila Prabhupada uh, that's not expected. For instance, uh, that Srila Prabhupada went on a morning walk every morning, it, it, you don't, that's not required to be a follower of Srila Prabhupada. That because Srila Prabhupada went on a morning walk every morning, therefore to, rep to be a follower of Srila Prabhupada, I also have to go on a morning walk every morning. That's a misunderstanding. But Krishnati Akila Cheshta, that all endeavors should be done for the sake of Krishna, this spirit should be imbibed. All activities should be done for the sake of Krishna, according to the instructions of Guru Sadhu and Shastra. So if one lives like that, speaks like that, then he's within the divine energy and may accept service and even worship according to the Shastric direction, not thinking that, well, you know, come and worship me, well, I'm worshipable, but rather as a uh, as a function that is uh, given by Krishna himself. As Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur explained, that the Guru, he is to explain the Srimad Bhagavatam to his disciples. Uh, so what should he do when he comes to the section of Bhagavatam when Krishna uh, speaks about the Guru to Uddhava? 
Krishna says, Acharyang mang vijani anavamanyeta karhi chitna martya buddhya suyeta sarvadeva mayo guru. Krishna says that one should know the Acharya as me, literally says, non-different from me. Should be understood like this and should not be disrespected in any way. He should not be considered an ordinary mortal or envied. Because he is the representative of all the demigods or all the devotees. So Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur said, then what should the Guru do when he's explained this to his disciples? Should he like change this and said in, instead the Guru should instruct his disciples that you should get a whip and beat the Guru? Yeah. It's his duty to teach the Shastra. And the principle that a disciple should worship his Guru is prominent in Shastra. So a guru should teach that, but not thinking that I am a guru, but he should think that I am accepting this role as a service to my guru who instructed me thus. You have the choice of either being so humble and not accepting disciples, or following your guru's order to accept disciples. So what's more important? What was better? Should Hanuman have been a humble Vaishnava, or should he have burned Lanka? What was better? Should have been well behaved, not made bad PR. Hanuman is praised for burning Lanka, among other things. So, um, yeah, without without thinking oneself as uh, worshipable, I am not worshipable, but by the mercy of my guru, I've, he's given me this gift of Krishna consciousness and he's instructed me to give this to others and giving this to others includes this uh, function of accepting worship. Of course that's not all. It's not that you just accept worship and, and that's all. But the, uh, the, the worship is offered because the Guru is the representative of Vyas and Vyasa's words are worshipable. So as a function of worshipping Vyasa and all the Acharyas, one worships them in the personage of the Guru who is presently manifested and serving him in various ways. Understanding that by serving him, all the Acharyas are worshipped. As Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur also said, if a Guru, sorry, if a Vaishnava becomes a Guru, he ceases to be a Vaishnava. Because a Vaishnava always thinks himself the most low, but then a guru has to take a position of superiority in order to instruct. Just like Arjuna couldn't fight the, in the battle without being angry, so a guru cannot instruct without taking a superior position. So Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur said that, yeah, a Vaishnava ceases, he ceases to be a Vaishnava if he becomes a guru, but if he doesn't become a guru, then the disciplic succession comes to an end. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, Amito Vaishnava buddhi hoilo amani na hoboami, patishtasha ashi ridoi dushibe hoibo niroi gami. He said that if I think I am a Vaishnava, Amito Vaishnava buddhi hoilo, then I'll be puffed up. That's why we don't go around saying, Well, I'm, I, I'm a devotee. I've been a devotee for 30 years. Again, use of language. It's important how we use words, what we say. It actually helps us in advancement in devotional service to use phrases like I've been uh, accepted in the society of devotees for so many, you know, 30 years or whatever. Yeah, if I think I'm a Vaishnava, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, then the desire for honor 
will uh, contaminate my heart and therefore I'll become a prime candidate for going to hell. That he says, therefore, I'll remain your disciple. Always. Always. And not accept any disciples. He also accepted disciples. Bhaktisthan Sarsar Thakur said, uh, I never accepted any disciples. He said this to a meeting of his disciples. What's this? Uh, this is some kind of double talk. That's what gurus are famous for, isn't it? Double talk. But he explained that, that uh, they're all my prabhus. They're all sent by my spiritual master to engage me in devotional service. So it is... um, Yeah, I'll go back to Bhaktivinoda Thakur. We have so many songs of his expressing intense humility. But uh, with his disciples he was strict. He took charge of them. He didn't allow nonsense talk. So the the pure devotee, uh, he is he considers himself very fallen and lowly and unqualified, but as a service to his guru, under the order of his guru, which he cannot deny, he takes charge of the spiritual lives of others. So with this kind of understanding, on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's order, everyone should be a guru. But for one's own name, fame, glory and all this kind of thing, then it's, then it's a disaster. So even though one may, in the beginning, uh, have a mentality of service, that can also change. So one has to be very careful. One always has to remember that my... Yeah, okay. A, a uh, Vaishnav... Others may see him as guru, but he sees himself as disciple. As long as he sees himself as disciple, he can be a guru. As soon as he thinks, I'm a guru, he's not fit even to be a disciple. All right, shall we finish there? Any other question? All right. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Okay, you're just waiting to see if I didn't talk too much nonsense. Huh? <laughs> then you're going to give it. All right, good. This garland was grown, the flowers were grown by who? Who's? Mohini Radha, disciple of Jagataka's father? Oh, okay, all right. Who's she here now? It's growing flowers. For offering to Krishna. That's very nice. Would you like to take this? That's a very important service to grow flowers to offer to Krishna. Krishna likes flowers more than jewels and gems and gold and so So fresh flowers every day. Very important for serving Krishna. So please bring your flowers for Krishna every day. By that alone you can go back to Godhead.